What's up, guys? Welcome back to the 307 Podcast. Uh, we just got done with the uh, morning or half day out on the range today, training one of our former basic course students. Uh, yeah, I guess we've never mentioned that before. If you have uh, ever graduated from the basic course or the proving grounds, we have a private range. It belongs to us. It's on our property, and we can actually fit more learning in a half day out on our private range when it comes to combat pistol and combat rifle. Those are two separate classes. We can fit more training into a four-hour block than you're going to get most places uh, in, in two days of training. We can really pack it in because we've got the equipment, we've got the freedom of movement, and uh, we love doing it. So, yeah, we've never really mentioned that before. But just for any of you guys who have graduated from the basic course or the proving grounds and we have a relationship with you, if you're interested in getting some tactical firearms type training, hit us up at 307events at gmail.com. We take applicants to come out and train on the range on a case-by-case basis. It's fairly affordable and uh, it's a lot of fun and we can really do a lot of awesome work out there. Um, yeah, just figured I'd mention that. That's what I've been doing all morning. This is the second episode of, I guess, the Mid-State Mile After Actions Report. It pays to be a winner. During this episode, we talk about uh, the race from where we left off in episode one. If you haven't listened to that part yet, go back and check it out. But we pick up with that exact same conversation and talk through the race all the way through to the very end uh, the race really didn't start until we got down to two people, me and Luke. And me and Luke battled it out for a long, long time. A lot of solid stuff in this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. This episode was brought to you, again, by our partners at Natural Rapport and Exoskin. Hey, guys, it's important to support the companies that support this podcast. Um, our sponsors and our Patreon members are the people who keep this podcast going. They're the people who fund this podcast and allow us to pour so much time and effort into it. So if you don't want to support us on Patreon, at least support the companies that support this show if you enjoy this show, which I hope you enjoy if you're listening to it or else you're wasting your time. Natural Rapport is a company that makes uncomplicated pet essentials that are gentle, safe, and effective. They use ingredients that are as close to nature as possible all their products are made in the USA at Natural Rapport. Their product line consists of plant-based grooming products, single-ingredient treats, all-natural chews, and a full line of no-bake soft-chew supplements. If you love your pets like we love our pets, especially our dogs here at 307 Project, please give them the best stuff out there, which is Natural Rapport. This stuff is off the chain. It's awesome. The dogs love it. It's an awesome way to reward them. Their lives are a little shorter than ours. So, yeah, try to give them the best stuff you can give them. Uh, go follow Natural Rapport on Instagram at Natural Rapport. Check them out online at nattyrap.com. That's N-A-T-T-Y-R-A-P.com. Use the pro code 3 of 7 project all caps, for 10% off your purchase from Natural Rapport. We love this company. We love our dogs, and that's the reason that we've allowed them to sponsor this show and the reason that we're excited to share natural rapport with you guys. 
check them out. Our other sponsor for today is Exoskin. As you guys know, at the Mid-State Mile, I spent all 38 hours in a pair of Exoskin socks, toe socks to be particular. They work awesome. All right, Exoskin's mission is to offer solutions that really work whenever, wherever, and whatever we do. Whether you cross-train, lift weights, run, climb, bike, hike, ultra-run, serve and protect in, in the uh, military or as a police officer or first responder, Exoskin has got gear that's going to work for you. They have woven copper fiber into the fabric of all Exoskin garments that cut down on odor-causing bacteria. The fabric is made to ch channel moisture and sweat away from your skin, keeping you nice, dry, and chafe-free. Exoskin products are the best fitness apparel on the market. From the socks to the shorts to the shirts, all the way up to the top of your head, Exoskin has something that you can use for your next mission. All right? It's legit. It's 100% made in America. You get what you pay for. Exoskin gear lasts for year after year after year. I've got the same pair of Exoskin shorts that I got from them, uh, I'm going to say about three and a half years ago, and I still run in them. There's no telling how many thousands of miles I've put in on those shorts. Same with the socks. They'll outlast a pair of Swiftwick or Smart Wool or whatever socks you're wearing. You get a pair of Exoskin socks. Not only are they going to work better, but they're going to outlast whatever other brand you're wearing, I promise you. The stuff just works, guys. Period. I put it through the ringer. Go check them out on Instagram at ExoskinUSA. Go order you some Exoskin at exoskin.us. That's www.exoskin, X-O-S-K-I-N.us. Use the pro code 3 of 7 when ordering Exoskin products. I'll attach that in the show notes of this episode along with clickable links to both Exoskin and Natural Rapport so you guys can go check them out. Thank you guys for sponsoring this episode. Thank you everyone on Patreon that supports this podcast, we love you guys. We just really, really appreciate you. And um, yeah, we had a great call on Resurrected last night. That was awesome. We do that every, well, three Sundays a month, private content, Bible-based content that we have over there on the Patreon platform. And uh, yeah, and last but not least, thank you to all you guys that have left us a review on iTunes. That helps the show grow. It helps the show populate. It helps new people find the show, and uh, get the same value that you're getting. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy this episode. Again, this is part two, finishing up the After Actions Report at the Mid-State Mile with me, Blake, and Chili. Here it is. All right, we're back for part two of uh, the Mid-State Mile recap. We're just looking over some old pictures of old Chili over here. <laughs> During the race. What did you do the whole time anyways, Chili? What, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off, man. I'll tell you what, son. You can run at Instagram, son. <laughs> he, uh, I think he did, ain't no telling how many laps he ran with Dwayne's camera. Oh, he, he, yeah. He was out there a lot. Yeah. I don't know how many miles he got in. He got uh, some top-notch uh, media training. Yeah, Dwayne and Ed taught me right. I uh, 
I'll just add that to my resume. You're getting too expensive for us, Chili. <laughs> oh, um, man. Um. Yeah, if you guys hadn't seen Chili, Chili has basically created an archive of the race on my Instagram page. There's hours and hours of footage covering down on everything that happened out there, and they're posted on these Instagram live videos on my page. So if you want to go back to see this stuff and be able to visualize the things we're talking about, you can find it on there, plus much more, th you know, things that we're, we're not even discussing, things that have been forgotten, conversations and questions and all that. It's all on there. So what was in them darn burritos, Chili? Man, I need, you know what, you know who I need? I need my boy, Justin. Um, his Instagram handle is Trail Trash Dirtbag. Oh, yeah. He, I love him. He's on Resurrected. He is. I love him, man. And he, if it weren't for him, I would have just quit doing them live videos. <laughs> I looked at, I, I saw him on there commenting and I told him, I said, Justin, if you can just start answering these questions that I've already answered 1,500 times, it'd do, it'd, it can do me a huge favor, man. <laughs> So then about every every three minutes or so, he would just copy this same uh, text and he'd post. It, it just said, it said tailwind. It said Hoka speed goats. <laughs> it's, it said the lap counter and it said peanut butter and banana burritos. And that's all it said. And I swear it helped. You know, that's <laughs> epic, dude. It, uh, what? And so the, was the audience kind of building throughout the, the race? Did it like, did you see it? kind of build so new people were coming in oh for sure yeah yeah i mean it i think when we first started the lives it was probably around 400 400 500 and um then it just slowly crept up to 600 700 800 and it would you know ebb and flow and then got up to i saw 1300 um right at watching the finish yeah it was just awesome <clears throat> yeah that's that's pretty wild man yeah, you crushed it on that, dude. And yeah, you know, those peanut butter banana burritos I was eating with a little spot of honey on the top, they worked really good for a long time. But leading into this next portion of the race, which was uh, we had the 8 a.m. intermission, that was our 24 hours. So this next 12 hour block, the heat started kicking on back in brother and those peanut butter banana burritos got a little heavy mm -hmm. and it was that wheat it was that tortilla it was too heavy so i actually stopped eating those pretty much i mean i might have took a bite or two throughout the day but that worked for a long time you know it's just like i told them boys out on the course it's just like clockwork son till it ain't <laughs> <laughs> well that got him right there didn't it <laughs> oh yeah i don't know how many times you told people that you're good till you're not that's right <laughs> that's right son yeah um so yeah uh that that so that intermission at 24 hours we utilized it the same exact way we utilized the one at 12 hours lay down feet up and close your eyes and just focus on breathing and resting. 
I don't think I ever fell asleep there. I may have. I may have dozed off for a, a few minutes. It's hard to tell. There's a lot. There's a lot of noise going on around you, and it's just amazing to me when I lay down and do that. It's amazing to me to hear the few guys that are left at this time, to hear them up talking and you know talking, eating and doing all this stuff, and I'm just sitting here thinking, you dummies, what? What are you doing? Why are you squandering this gift of rest? Mm-hmm. It's insane. I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't either. <laughs> so, uh, the heat kicks up a few laps after that, and I think I remember coming into the crew camp there on one of the loops fairly early on and saying, all right, the name of the game today is going to be staying cool. And so that's when we switched to that big towel. And also I switched to my regular hat uh-huh. because I know it would hold some moisture. That hat that I was running with early on, uh, it was vent- the whole top of it was vented, and I knew it wouldn't hold any moisture. So you guys started dunking that stuff in the cooler, having that ready right off the bat so we never got behind the power curve on that heat Mm -hmm. and i think you know a lot of the other guys they waited until they got they waited until they were overheated Mm -hmm. to start implementing these practices yeah um but as soon as you realize oh my gosh like get on it man don't wait until it becomes a problem yeah and then try to try to make up ground on it that don't work yeah Function check, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting ahead of stuff. I mean, it, there's so many other things that are that way that if you wait till it's actually a problem, well, then you've waited too long. So yeah. you got to get ahead of everything. Yeah, you do. You, you're not going to – You once you get that, 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 that stress that the heat puts on your body and your stomach and digestive system and everything, you're not going to recover from that. Yeah. You can do things to hang on longer, but you're not going to recover from it. So we got on that early. Um, gosh, man, I don't even know how many people were left going into that day, coming out of the night, going into the day. I guess it would have been me, Luke, Aaron, Dana, and I think Mark was still in. And there. Mark. Yeah. That's a right when Greg, who plays fifth, he was right in there too. Did he make it into that? He made it into the. Well, yeah, he made yeah. it through the intermission. Yeah. Okay. In a few hours, I guess, into the morning. I think five made it through the intermission. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I remember, so we, we dropped down to four people. The sun, the sun, when the sun comes up for me, like, it's just like, it gives you automatic energy and you have to, again, you, it, it you can dial back your effort. Because all of a sudden you can see, and you you don't have to use your headlamp. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I had this renewed energy, and we just we just I was just clicking, man. I was just clicking right on through it. Now, for me, this is where the patience part really started to come into play. As we were working through that day, because we've been going at this for a while, and. The field has dwindled down to those, 
you know, again, those really three. Mark, Mark was there, but he was fading. And so I wasn't even really counting him. Um, not to take away from what he did. It was awesome what he did. He was the sleeper that nobody saw him coming, and there he was <laughs> in the in the final four. And um, but he was fading, so it was me, Aaron, Dana, and Luke. And uh, I knew that if I just kept running my loop, that it was going to work. But at that point, there's only three of us out on the course. And, you know, you've been – you start to get that, – that lonesomeness starts to creep in a little bit. Like, yeah, I want to kind of hang out with these guys and see where they're at and this and that. But that requires you to deviate from the plan. Mm-hmm. So there were multiple times through that day where I had to keep telling myself, just be patient. Just you have to be patient and just reel these guys in, man, and stay present, right? That's when I had to really start implementing those tools, which is really when the race pretty much started for me. So we got out of that. We got out of the process loops where we, again, separated the wheat from the chaff. That nighttime and the few hours in the morning heat did that, and we got down to the real competitors and i actually started having to tap some of the tools that i know and utilize and that we teach that was the first time i really had to do that you know yeah every few laps um what was that day like for you guys well it's interesting to watch how you know at the 97 people started and you know, when you want to win, you're waiting on 96 people to be out of the race. And that's going to take a while. And then at this point, when there's just a handful left, you're only waiting on about two guys to be out of the race. But these are the hardest people to break. They're, 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 gonna, they're, they're, the, they're the people that are going to stay in it the longest. So it's interesting. You, you finally get down to where, all right, now it's time to race. But that don't mean it's about to be over. You still got a, it's still a long time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the same thing for us. What we needed to do just in supporting you was not jump ahead and think that this was about to be over because there was just a handful of people left, Mm -hmm. you know? And honestly, even if you feel like it, it may be over pretty soon, don't start thinking that way and don't, don't, you know, plan for it to go three more days. I mean, if you do that, You'll be good. Yeah, I think, I mean, just purely from my end of the perspective of being in the in the crew tent, when the sun came up and everyone started coming back in there, it was easier to roll back. Like, the night was kind of hard to stay, stay focused, I guess, because, like, the energy had died down in there, and it required more energy on your part to do what you needed to do. But when everyone came out and the crowd was there again, then it, it kind of gives you that. And the sun comes up. Although I will say probably that first hour of daylight, it was probably more tiring in that first hour of daylight for some reason than it was even in the darkness, like mm-hmm. right at dawn. And, um, but once everybody got back out there, you know, it just, you kind of get a whole nother, 
boost of energy that keeps you up and helps you stay focused really um i don't remember when when did uh when did mark go out i don't know i think it was man it was not long after the sun came out um and then you know aaron dana who got third made it several hours past mark I, i think yeah and you know he i mean they just did um a really good job too and it was it was cool um i'm glad there was people there to you know really make this thing go a long way um but i don't want to jump ahead here but when it got down to luke and chad as the only two left that wasn't that long after 24 hours i mean it really oh, wasn't no. we battled out a lot it, and i remember running I remember running some loops with with Aaron, uh, and thinking, "Man, this guy's looking strong, yeah. dude! Like, it could potentially be me and him at the end." Mm-hmm. I mean, he was looking just as strong as uh, as Luke looked, and you know, I'm wondering because he was looking strong, and then he was gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm wondering what took him out of the race. Let's see if we can get him on the on the podcast. Carrier network error. Oh heck, carrier <laughs> network error. Let me make sure I type that in right. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Let me try it one more time. Carrier network error. The OCN is missing. Please. Dang, the OCN is missing. <laughs> Well, well, I was going to try to get Aaron on the podcast here. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's going to work. Well, yeah, one thing I'll say is he uh he the difference in him and Luke at about 24 hours was I thought Aaron was doing a much better job of sticking to his plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought Luke I mean, these are just observations. I'm not putting anybody down. I mean, obviously, you see the job that Luke did, but he was just kind of all over the place. His lap times were erratic, and I mean, I don't know. I just, whether it was just he didn't have a real ironed-out plan or he just wanted to kind of do what he was doing, I don't know, but I thought Aaron was sticking to a plan really well, and I think that's why he was able to go as far as he was. You know, he he did a great job of sticking to that, and, and, um, you know, he was coming in around 17, 18 minutes, something yeah. like that. I mean, I thought it was... Oh. He was always just about 30 seconds ahead of Chad, mm-hmm. usually. Yep. Yeah. And I wonder if, if Luke's sporadic fast laps and stuff was a way for him to feed his impatience because it's like you could get a little bit of a a bite of relief from that impatience if you were to just blister the lap and you're like, all right, now I'm just going to hang out here. Mm-hmm. But to be patient out there running takes a little more than to be patient sitting in your chair for the next one to start, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that's what it was or not, but he would do that occasionally. He would just come yeah, in and yeah, have yeah. like five or six minutes to sit there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, once again, I don't want to jump ahead of anything, but I've, you know, in part one of this recap, you asked Becca and John, Help me out. What exactly did you ask them? What What was the mo- the pivotal moment? The defining yeah. moment. The defining moment. I'll tell you what it was for me if uh, because it was right in this time when it when Aaron went out 
the first loop after that, um, Chad and Luke head out at about the same pace. They're running pretty much side by side. And uh, I was, uh, I think this was a loop that I was carrying one of the cameras for Dwayne. Hold on, we got Aaron coming on. Okay, good deal. You can finish up that story, Chili. Aaron, can you hear us? Hold on just a second, man. Um, One second. All right, try it now, Aaron. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you now, Aaron. You're live on the 307 podcast, brother. What's going on? Awesome. Just, uh... Driving back to New York with my feet up, and I got some uh, salty britches on my my sore spots, and just chilling. <laughs> <laughs> well, brother, we appreciate you joining us real quick. I know this is a last minute uh, kind of uh, phone call here, but we kind of wanted it to be that way, um, and we, we're kind of just recapping the whole uh, and chili. Stay where you're at with that story. Yeah, I we'll get hear to the it later. That. Yeah. Um, uh, we got Chili here, Blake here, and uh, we're, we're recapping uh, the race. And we've kind of come up to the point uh, where it was just me, you, and Luke. And, you know, yeah. I remember telling you uh, on one of those loops, because we, we, uh, we just said, I said, you know, Aaron was looking really strong he was looking just as strong as luke was looking and we were talking about how consistent and patient you were being luke wasn't yeah. being patient and he was right. being he was being pretty erratic and i remember one time telling you uh aaron we gotta we gotta get this dude out of our hair and uh and then it'll me and you will go to war against each other um to to finish this thing off and you were looking so strong, man. And I just want to know, I want you to walk me through what was going on in your head then and then and then go on to tell us kind of what took you out because you were looking so strong and then the next thing I knew, you were gone. So yep. walk us through that, brother. And thank you for joining us, by the way. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, I mean, obviously there's a lot that happened before that moment. Um, yeah, I remember that moment and that was, that was probably the hardest lap that I had. I was, I don't know, man. it was, I don't have a lot of experience going that long in my body. Um, you know, the heat that day was really wearing on me. Um, it was getting, I, I was just getting very, very fatigued all the fatigue was just setting in and on that la that loop you were talking about we were both very quiet we are both close to each other and i was i was i was battling in my mind all the all the thoughts that i feel like it was coming to me and then you said that and yeah you said we got to shake this guy so we can you and i can go to battle um and i think i dropped on the next loop so I, I don't know, man. I think I just, I just had this sense that I did what I needed to do there. Um, I, I have a lot of respect, Chad, for you and how far you're willing to push your body. Um, and I felt like my body was telling me, like, this is good. Um, so on that next hike, you guys, we all started climbing up that hill where I felt, 
I felt strong all day and my legs were, were not there on that climb. When Chili was there, he was filming us going up. My legs were just, I just didn't have, I didn't have the drive that I had for the 28 hours previous. And you guys got to that top of the hill and I just, I just took it easy. Um, I just kind of backed off the intensity and I just kind of hiked it. I hiked it back. So I don't know, man. I just, I just, I looked around. I took in everything because so much of that race, I'm looking at the ground, right? So I just looked up. I looked around. I thank God for that whole day. Um, but then, man, on that last, that last climb, on uh, Machete, Becca gets me halfway up. She's like, come on. You can still do it. I'm like, no, Becca. I'm done. She's like, well, if you're done, you better not end like this. She's like, you better give this climb all you got. So she got right next to me. And I was like, Becca, I love you and I hate you, but I love you. <laughs> and uh, she, she climbed that hill with me. And then she's like, now you got to send it down this hill. So I'm like, all right, I started jogging. She's like, she's like, brother, give it all you got. And I keep like looking at my watch. She's like, stop looking at your watch. Tuck your poles back and send it. And I just, I just hammered it. I just hammered it down that hill. I just, I gave it everything I got. I think I came up a minute short. Um, but yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell. Well, I, I remember oh. you telling me, Aaron, uh, I think it was shortly after we came out of the 24-hour intermission. I distinctly remember you saying, I haven't got what I wanted out of this yet. Yeah. And what was it? You There was something, obviously, that you wanted distinctly out of, out of this mission. And what was it? And did you find it? Yeah, there was... I wanted... I, I didn't want to quit because my mind was weak or gave in to all those, those doubts and uh, insecurities and all that kind of stuff. I wanted my body to let me know when I, I hit my limit. And, and honestly, Chad, like I could have kept going. Um, I probably could have got a couple more loops in the time. And then I think I would have just started slowing down because that heat was was taking its toll on me. I would come in and stick my head in a bucket of ice for two minutes. And I was like, I was breathing as hard as if I was climbing up that hill. So I think I got everything. What I wanted out of it was I wanted to push my body as far as it would take me. And I wanted, at that point, I wanted to help Mark go as far as he could. And Mark was still in it. I mean, I know you started talking about when it was just three of us, but Mark Holcomb and I battled that whole night together. We, we were side by side trying to bring each other as far as we could. So at that 24 hour mark, I think it might've been five of us, you know, maybe even six, but Greg Armstrong was still in it looking good. Mark was looking good. So at that point, my goal was I want to at least get top three because maybe it's a limiting belief, but I didn't believe that I could beat Luke and I didn't believe I could beat you, Chad. And 
that's something that is kind of eating at me because I shouldn't have let that um, that thought dictate. But at that point, I was like, I wanted to be I wanted to be top three, and I had to outlast Greg and I had to outlast Mark, who are very, very, very strong men. So once they dropped, I felt a relief, mm-hmm. and then I just took some. I felt like Chad. We had a we had a a really good lap together that was like a victory lap for me. I got one-on-one time with you and I got to say some things to you that I wanted to say for a long time. So man, at that, at that point, everything after that was gravy. Well, I want to let you know that, you know, you said you didn't think that you could beat me and I, there was a moment when I saw you running, uh, in, in, uh, you know, later on into that day when you were looking strong, and I, uh, there was a moment that crossed my mind that this guy could beat me, and and that's that's the main reason that I was being so quiet, and I wanted to, because you're my brother, and I wanted to right. encourage you so badly, like I wanted to lift you up, but. I, there was still a nagging thing in my mind that said, this guy could beat me. I am racing this man because he looks so strong. Uh, so you know, I, w- I want you to know that's what that's was going through my head, man. You, well, it's, <laughs> funny, it's funny you say that because I had this thought. I'm like, and I, I, know, who you, I know who you are. And I, didn't, I didn't really want to show you weakness, but I had this thought. I'm like, you should tell Chad you're struggling right now and see what he would do. And I... I regret not doing that. I wanted to be like, brother, I'm really struggling right now. I need you. And I didn't. And I wish I would have because I don't know how much farther I would have gone, but I regret not doing that because I know you would have, I know you would have lifted me up and I know you would have pushed me further. So that was, that's, that's what was going through my head. I'm like, I should say something. I should be honest with them, but we are, we are so quiet on that <laughs> on that stretch. I'll tell you what, Aaron. You you maintained the standard, brother. You really maintained and executed and lived to the standard. You you never you never uttered a single word of complaint. Uh, it, it was just absolutely amazing to to see what you did out there, man. And I am just so dang proud of you brother and um you know uh talk me through just kind of what it what it felt like when it was when it was finally over i mean how i i know there's a video on on uh on instagram uh but you know just the the inner workings of your mind when you finally said all right you know, and you come in off that loop and you're a minute late and you know it's over. Yeah. I mean, overwhelming sense of gratitude. I mean, I gained so many family members and my family who was all there gained family members. So just gratitude, man. I mean, I, I came in totally open to everything that the midday mile could offer. And in my faith, I knew God was going to meet me there and meet us there and do something special. 
So I, I wanted to suck every ounce of benefit out of that race. So I was just full of gratitude because I gained so much more than I ever expected. Kind of like the basic course. I went in open to everything that could happen to me and be presented to me. And I, I just received everything I could. So dude, I was just grateful. And I mean, and honestly, I was very, I had no idea what to expect from my body. Cause I, I've, that was the hardest challenge of my life. So I had no, I was also just very surprised and at what my body and my mind um, was able to accomplish. Um, I, I mean, I set a goal. I wanted to win it. My second goal was top three. And my third goal was top five. I had, I, in seeing the people that were in that race at the beginning, I was, I thought, no way I'm going to get top three. I mean, no way. I mean, when Greg Armstrong showed up and he said, I figured I'll run a few laps. I'm like, Oh geez, here it goes. But I, <laughs> me too. I, I kept it simple. I just one stinking loop at a time. That's all you had to do one loop at a time. And and be present in that loop and, and not get overwhelmed because man, that, that clock just ticks by, man. It just, it goes slow, but it goes fast. So yeah, man, when I finished, it was just overwhelming sense of gratitude for all of the people, um, all, all the volunteers, all, uh, just all the encouragement I received. And my dad was there and he hugged me. I mean, it was father's day. I mean, life doesn't get any sweeter than that. Mm. That's the truth, brother. And uh, last question I got for you, Aaron, is uh, I know you talked about you had to work through some some uh, low spots and, and stuff like that. And so what if you could define for us kind of what your, what your number one, the number one challenge that faced you out there uh, and, and how you pulled through it, man? The number one challenge was believing that I belong there. Mm. I mean, through that night, you know, that night it was dark, it was quiet and everyone that was a top competitor was strong. No, I mean, Greg was strong all night. Luke was strong all night. Chad, you were strong. Mark was strong. I mean, Isaac was strong. There were so many dudes out there. Tim was strong for so long. And I'm like, do I have what it takes? And it was just letting those, those doubts were just creeping in and creeping in. And it wasn't until I just, I, you know, you talk a lot about the power of the spoken word and I just started speaking life. I started preaching to myself, preaching to Mark, um, and just reminding us of who is with us, the greater one that lives inside of us, and faith grows up in me, brother, and hope, and all of those those thoughts just kind of faded away, and I, I, I honestly never really had to deal with that again. So it was, it was an amazing experience to see God work through the, the His Word being spoken out loud to change my feelings, to change my thoughts, 
and give me a power and a motivation to keep persevering that would not have happened if I just kept my mouth silent. I'll tell you what, that's powerful, brother. That is, that is a really powerful thing. And, uh, and being faced with that, <laughs> being faced with that question or, or being faced with that, I guess, challenging, uh, emotion that man do i really belong here that is a hard thing to overcome what were you going to say chili let me tell you aaron you do and whatever you yeah. do going forward don't doubt it again yeah i appreciate that yeah oh i i got i got i got loads of confidence chad i mean i'm not going to start smack talking yet because we're still enjoying what just happened but I am hungry, brother. I have never been more hungry or more confident of what I have to do to take you down next year. And I'm, you know I'm going to put it in the work. And you know I'm going to do everything I can to push you as far as you want to go next year. That's my commitment to you. Well, brother, I sure do. Uh, I sure do thank you for that. And I know you will. And you are a true contender in this arena of ultra running and, and, and especially when it boils down to pure grit, uh, which is, which is the mid state mile. It does at the yeah. end boil down to grit and, uh, you are a contender. You have proven that you have just, uh, earned a tremendous amount of respect, uh, on my behalf. And, uh, um, man, I just love you. I appreciate you taking the time to come on and share about your experience and uh, it was just, it was an honor, really an honor to see you push out there. And I uh, can't thank you enough, brother. I hope you guys have a safe trip home. Anything else you want to say, man, here on the podcast, uh, the floor is yours. Thank you for those words. And uh, they mean a lot to me. You're all of you guys. Uh, Blake, Chad, Jilly, you guys and your example and what you do. Um, matters to me like you what you saw out there was a fruit of what you put into me all these principles that you preach that was just all those principles put into action so for all of you out there listening um i was blown away by the power of this three of seven community brothers and sisters that i only knew through instagram now met face to face, man, you guys are the real deal. And what God is doing among us, we're just barely scratching the surface of what he wants to do through all of us to glorify him, to strengthen each other, to encourage each other. This, Thank you so much, guys, for what you're doing to facilitate this community being built. It's a family. And, and God is working among us. So I'm honored to be a part of it. I was honored to, to share the ground with you guys at the Mid-State Mile, and I'm just excited for what's to come. Amen to that, brother. And, yeah, yeah, you're a, you're a huge part of the Body of 307 Project and have been for a long time, uh, a huge part and a huge contributor. Um, and for people to see you executing on these universal and biblical principles and putting them into work and just crushing uh, the limits, uh, it, is, uh, it, it builds everybody up, man. So thank you so much, Brother Blake. Noah, y'all got anything? 
no, it was awesome to awesome to be out there with you, Aaron. You did a great job. Yeah, man. Just I'm proud of you, consistency, and like Chad said, the execution on all the standards that uh, that you know work it was just awesome to see you actually implement them and and go as far as you could. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Y'all have a safe drive, Aaron. We'll talk soon, brother. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Thank man. you. Love you, Love man. Love you guys. Bye. All right. Well, that was Aaron Dana, number three yep. at the Mid-State Mile. And so we just heard about Aaron's journey and when he went out. That was interesting for me to hear. Like I said, yeah. he looked strong. I told him we got to get Luke out of here so that we can go to battle. And uh, and then he was gone, and we heard about how that played out. Mm -hmm. And then it was just down to me and Luke. And, you know, I'll give my perspective on Luke, and then hopefully we'll have him on the podcast one day. But um, you think it'd be a long one? <laughs> oh, it'd be a long one, son. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget. You, you, know, you know how Greg doesn't ever say much, right? And so Luke... I think Luke talks in order to stay out of his own head. I think that's why he talks so much out there. Is because he when you're when you're carrying on this conversation, you're not thinking about you know what you're enduring. And so he literally talked the entire race. And um I remember yell, uh saying, "Luke, go up there and uh Go up there and talk to Greg. <laughs> Go up there and talk to him. And I yelled at Greg. I said, here he comes, Greg. And I told everybody around me, I said, watch this. Greg's going to DNF because Luke's going to talk him to death. <laughs> um, so hopefully we'll have Luke on the podcast one day to uh, to share his perspective on the race. Um, I, I, I will, I, I'll say this right off the bat. The dude is freaking tough. And I had a conversation with Greg. Uh, on one of the laps when, when Greg was kind of fading and I ended up running with him for a, for a little bit of a loop. And uh, and at this point, I wasn't jiving with Luke very well. He just he, he just want my type of people. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I just want to be left alone to do my thing. You know what I mean? And I, I, I'm friendly, but like, I don't like to be talked at much. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm trying to like get away from this dude because I'm like, man, just let me run. And this this can this story of of this conflict of personality continues to evolve as we go through this story. <laughs> but uh I told Greg, I said, man, I said, I'm gonna run this joker into the ground. And Greg looked over at me and he said, Well, good luck. He's <laughs> tough. And uh, he said, "You're." He said, "I think your only chance at at or, or somebody's only chance at beating him is going to be to take him into some significant sleep deprivation." Because here's the thing: with a fast runner, a fast runner is used to finishing a race fairly early. Um, you know, uh, say a hundred miles. It, you know, they're used to getting that done in twenty hours or less. And so they are not efficient, or, or maybe they don't even know. I think Luke had said he had not been up more than 25 hours or something like that. That was the longest he had been awake running. And so Greg told me, 
And Greg Smart, he said, you're going to have to, you're going to have to just stay with him long until that sleep deprivation kicks in. And I think that's the only thing that's going to take him out. What do you think, Chili? That's interesting that that's what Greg thought because I didn't, I didn't think that personally. Um, and I, and honestly at the end, I don't think that's what took him out. I mean, he was woozy. He told me on the course late when we got late into the day. He had multiple things compiling, mm-hmm. but I think that sleep that sleep deprived state that he wasn't used to. He started hammering that Coca Cola because he wanted caffeine. Mm-hmm. Because he was he when when you've been up for thirty hours, you get a little weird. You get a little off balance. Thing, you, you start seeing things out of your peripheral vision that aren't there, mo- things moving, yeah. shapes turn into animals. Um, and he told me, he said, I, I'm woozy. And what happens when you get sleep deprived and you get a little woozy is you start trying to compensate by that or for that by drinking Cokes and you're not, you're not eating the right things. You're eating all this processed sugar. You start to you start to kind of relax on doing the right thing. Oh, yeah. So I think it played a big part into it. Oh, yeah. You know, because all that starts to compound on itself. So you start to get a little tired. So you say, well, I haven't drank any Coke for this whole time, but now I need to start drinking. Well, well, then you drink that and you start eating a little junk food. Then your stomach starts messing up a little bit, you know, and then you got the heat on top of that. And it was a it was a a pile of stuff that just started snowballing. That's for sure. I mean, it definitely played a role. It was just because one thing that would indicate that that played more of a role than anything else actually is the fact that his form never changed. His gait was good. Yeah. I mean, it. You know, obviously at the very end, but I mean, he he looked good even when he was fading. <laughs> it was interesting. Like usually when people start getting slower, they look like crap. He looked pretty good, running pretty well, and he was slowing down. So that would be a. The first time I saw his form change, yeah, was uh, on the up on the 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 big climb, the first big climb. Uh, Luke climbs on his toes, mm-hmm. which is fast, mm-hmm. short, choppy steps on his toes, right? I don't do that. I'm flat-footed, take big, long steps, engage my glute to pull myself up the hill. He had climbed on his toes the whole time. Well, late, I started to see him all of a sudden not be able to climb on his toes. So his heel would touch, when he would take a step, his heel would touch the ground. Mm -hmm. And I saw that, and I thought, yep, them them old calves, nah. Yeah, they, they they can only last so long. Yeah, so that was the first change I saw in his gait. Now on the flats and and downhills, he was still good to go. Mm-hmm. But on those climbs, I saw that change in his step. Yeah, and I knew that those climbing muscles were starting to to wane on him. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it get it got down to me and him, and uh, we're running, and of course, Luke is just hanging with me like a tick. I mean, just talking away. 
um, asking me all these questions, telling me all these stories, which is wonderful. I don't want y'all to think I'm not. I'm talking bad about him. I'm just saying this is just a difference in personality, right? And um, finally, I, I think that we came to the agreement respectfully that we are racing and he needs to go and run his race and he needs to let me run my race instead of just us trying to do this thing together. Um, and he, he honored that and he finally made the decision to do that and go and run his own race. And that was the last lap that we ran together. Mm -hmm. After that, he was ahead of me until he wasn't. That's right. Um, and so as it progresses, uh, I remember asking Chili in crew camp, I said, Chili, you know, give me a little ammo here. How can, how can we get, what, what do you think? How, how can we get in this, this dude's head? Um, I think it was one thing that was getting in his head is he had to be alone, right? Yeah. He didn't have anybody to talk to. I think that was already working. And then Chili told me, what did you tell me, Chili? Well, I just, I noticed he hadn't, I don't know exactly when this was, but it was, you know, at a point where Luke had literally not seen the back of you one time. Not once in his life <laughs> had he seen that hair flapping in the wind, you know, and, and, and seen the backside of you. He hadn't seen your the back of your feet. He hasn't, you know. So I just thought it'll be interesting to just give him a view of that. Just let him see it. I'm not saying you got to go run a lap in 14 minutes. I think that's a bad idea. But just find a way to let him see it. And um, I don't know. I think it may have, may have done something. Yeah, I think it might have too. And, and uh, yeah, after Chili told me that, every time we would start a loop, I would come off the line in front of him. And it required me to run a little. It required me to make a minor deviation to the plan. It was There's a nice flat section right there off the top, so it's not a huge uh, expenditure of energy, but it did take a little more. And so that's when my time, you know, you talked yeah. about how my time I, on my loops um, dropped down. It was because of that, because I would come off that line faster than I knew I should be running just so he would have to, see me and say i just wanted him to think dang man this guy's still running good yep i wanted him to see my gate that i could still run yeah all right and he'd have to look at my 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 back end and then we would go we'd go up the first climb we would kind of even out he would come on up to me we'd kind of even out by the top of the climb he would be passing me and I would intentionally allow him to pass me because he was stronger on that downhill than I was. And so I didn't want him to see me running that downhill because he, he was stronger than me on that. So I would always make sure he was in front of me 
once we started on that downhill just so he wouldn't see me. And I did that until I could pull far enough ahead of him to where when we got to the top of that climb and I went on my downhill, he could no longer see me on the downhill, right, when I got that far ahead of him. And um, uh, we, um, yeah, man, there was a a moment in crew camp when uh, Luke's crew – I I could listen. I listened to them. They started talking about busting out the uh, the ibuprofen, and they busted out the med kit, and you know, talking about all these tactics, and you know that that are just gonna maybe prolong him, you know, to a certain point, but not bring him back from the dead. And uh, I called it out. In the crew camp, I said, "Oh, look at there, old Luke. And them they're busting out the med kit, man. You know, I yeah. called that stuff out, man. That's that's all. That's all part of it. Yeah. And um, when when he started to really wane, I could hear him coming off the line. I could hear him behind me. That joker got to farting and gagging and burping, and I knew." This joker's experienced some stomach distress because mm-hmm. he's eating all this junk food, yeah, and coke and processed sugar. And I was like, "Yep, I know what that feels like." And so there was a time, the one loop that I ran where I came in with three minutes to spare, that was a tactical move. And I think when I crossed the finish line, they everybody was like, "What the heck, man?" And I was like, "Yep, that's ta- I'm a tactician." Tactics, techniques, procedures, execute, execute, execute. And that was simply me showing that, hey, man, I'm I'm stronger now than I've been all day. Yeah. And right in the face of his weakness. And I don't know what it did to him, but it obviously worked. Yeah. And that was the fastest loop I ran on the whole, whole course. Yep. And that was that was close to the end, wasn't it? Fairly close. That was yeah. that was late afternoon, I would say. Yeah, late afternoon or evening. And we get, and then after that, he started to really fold up. And I and I'm looking at my watch, and I'm saying, "Dag, gone it, man. It's like seven o'clock." I'm like, "Man, we gotta, we gotta end twenty minute long intermission at eight o'clock. If this dude can make it through." Three more laps, mm-hmm. he gets a twenty minute break, mm-hmm. and so like I'm like, man, I hope I hope I can, I hope I can get this dude out of here before eight o'clock, and uh, that don't happen. <laughs> he hangs in there, yeah, yeah. He hangs in there till eight o'clock, which puts us at thirty six hours of running. The third intermission, we come in. <clears throat> I lay down, same as every other animation, to get some rest. I don't sleep a wink, but I'm listening to them over there in his crew, and they're like, yeah. hey, man, do you do you want to lay down and get a little rest? And uh, he refused to do it. Yeah. I just, I, I can't, I can't still, can't comprehend it. Mm-hmm. Um, I get, we get back up from that intermission, and... He immediately starts complaining about how tight his legs are. Mm-hmm. 
So if you'll notice, when I lay down, I put the cold towel over my head. Now, it was hot outside. Yeah. But I went ahead and took a blanket and laid that blanket over my legs, Mm -hmm. even though it was hot. I did that to keep my legs warm. I didn't want my legs to cool down. It was hot being under that blanket, but I knew I had to do that. So when I got back up, my legs were not stiff. They were actually fresher. I felt refreshed when I got back up from that. And uh, I think he was, he was, he stiffened up pretty good on that. Yeah. On that intermission. Well, I thought, I mean, I noticed um, you were, I mean, my opinion would be you were probably stiffer getting up from that than the other intermissions. But I mean, I looked over at Blake and was like, oh, that's good how he just got up. I mean, he's not. You know, because I, I, that's just how I am. I get stove up from doing that kind of stuff. And I was like, that's good. He's, it's still, you know, you went to uh, the bathroom. Yep. And I was like, oh, yeah, that looks good. <laughs> that walk over there. So um, I was happy to see that I think every intermission you came out of, great. Yeah. Yeah. I expected to be a little stiffer than I was. Mm-hmm. And not that, not, my legs did stiffen up a little bit, but of course, when I got up and went to the bathroom, I, I purposefully did it as gracefully as I possibly mm-hmm. can. Oh, yeah. Because everybody was watching. Yeah. So, I think if I learned anything from Luke or any reassurance, I mean, he's a great runner, right? But at the more you talk, the more you're going to say things that you shouldn't say. And if you just got to keep talking... You're, you're about, I mean, you can't just come up with some off the wall stuff to say. You got to say some whatever's in your mind and your heart. You're going to start saying it. And he started to say, Hey, man, my, my armor's breaking down right here. If you'll, if you'll take a shot right here in this vest, I bet you can get me. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then over here, I'm starting to, you know, and so, and I noticed when I got real tired, I don't, I don't like to talk that much, but when I got tired, I kind of got a little bit talkative. And I, I don't know why, but I did. <laughs> you got a little crazy there in the night. But. Yeah, and I was like, but, you know, I I had to, I told everybody in the camp, I said, look, we, if it don't need to be said, we just don't need to say it. The guys that were helping Luke there, they were just there. You know, like he didn't bring them with him. But I didn't want to give anything up because we was just over there talking and then them hear something that we say and potentially give some other information. But... I mean, it applies in a bunch of different ways, but to me, if something don't need to be said, if there's not a reason you're saying it, I just don't like to keep spewing it because you, especially in a competition like that, because you're bound to spew out something and then you can't take it back. You're like, ah, son of a gun. Another thing people notice when you've talked a lot at the beginning is when you stop talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. He got real quiet there at the end. He did. And I knew I was looking for that. Any significant change. It's uh, gonna be picked up by people, or it ought to be picked up by legitimate competitors. And yeah, so that's that's one tactic to use as well as whatever you do at the beginning. You need to think about what you're gonna be doing when it's late. Yeah, and when you're tired and when stuff's going wrong. Because if you go ahead and operate in a fashion similar to that, they won't know any different. The poker face, ain't it? Yeah. You know, you're, that's a really great point to yeah. bring up, Shelly, because I, I, I thought about that exact same thing 
when we started leading him off the line, mm-hmm. when we were leading him off on every lap, I thought, well, now I have to do this every single time. Yeah. yeah. I, I better I better do this mm-hmm. every single time because yep. as soon as I don't do it, everybody there is going to notice it. So yep, that yep. was a risk we took by yeah. deciding to make that part of our plan. Well, after you did it, he got slower coming off the line every time. One time, I distinctly remember a lap. You know, they blew the whistle to start the lap, and you took off like exactly like you did, and he stood there for a second after the whistle. Yeah. And then he went on, and I was like, oh, he's done. I, I mean, I don't know why he did it. I don't know what he was thinking. It honestly may not have even been intentional, but it meant something. It meant, it basically was just like a sign of like, I mean, honestly, when he did that, it was so fast. It was a split second. I thought he might have lined up and then let you go and not even started that loop. But then he ended up going. But then that was real near the end, you know, and I don't know. That that told me right there that you weren't, you were going to go off the line first every time. Mm-hmm no matter what so yeah but it was a risk you're right yeah that's a good point to bring up now at 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 the at the time that i knew or or at least i was 98 percent sure that this dude couldn't beat me so we're talking about now we've already went through the day um we're going now it's dark again we're going well into this night, this second night. The main battle for me there was was staying present and not going ahead and saying, oh, we got this cat in the bag. Let me yeah. go ahead and start thinking about my victory speech. <laughs> oh, like, I can't tell you how bad I wanted to do that. And, 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 how hard it was not to keep looking behind me just to see where he was at because I knew on these splits, I knew if he didn't hit certain points at certain times that that would be his last lap. Yeah. And so the anticipation of his last lap, that was really hard not to get sucked into that and to stay in the mindset of, no, man, you got to keep running this same freaking loop. The reason you do that is because you never know. Mm-hmm. This dude could have ate some of Becca's world-famous <laughs> mashed potatoes <laughs> or some, or something. He, he could have potentially yeah. done something to, to turn himself around. And, yeah. and you want to know the best fuel you could have given him in that moment? is looking back. Yep. If he knew, he, he might could have done it without him knowing, but if you look back, that lets you know, hmm, he's still a little concerned about me. Yep. You you can draw big time from that. If he knew you were still concerned about him, oh, that's new life right there. Mm-hmm. That's it. So I'll tell you what I started doing is uh, when we would go off the line, once I got a little out ahead of him, I would turn my headlamp down to the d- 
dimmest setting possible to where I could just barely see the ground in front of me. And I always made sure that that headlamp was pointed straight at the ground because I did not want him to be able to analyze how close he was to me. So I didn't want him to be able to see where I was at at any point. I wanted him to really feel that sense of, dang, I'm out here all by myself. And there's another tactic. I know I give you guys all my freaking secrets, man. <laughs> well, you, I mean, there's no one out there that can beat you. You got to give a little info so they yeah. can maybe try to use them or something. So these are these little things that I think about doing and that I do that I think not many other people do. And maybe they don't make a difference at all. Oh, no. But I, I have to believe they do. Well, no. Even if this is a minor difference. Not one of them together really makes a huge difference, but all of them collectively is what really makes a difference. You know, yeah. doing it all throughout the whole race. I mean, if someone just did that over one night thing, it's like, oh, well, yeah, I couldn't really tell we we'll use that, but I'm still here. Yeah. But all the little things start playing in, and then they say, well, dang, I can't see where he's at. He started out in front of me. You know, he's he's still got a lot of energy when he comes in. He got yeah. up from his rest, and he was fine. And then all that stuff, and they think, eh. <laughs> Y'all ain't, yeah. son. All right, let's take one last break, and then we'll wrap this thing up all the way through to the finish. Hey, guys, have I told you about my bushcraft necklace from Wazoo Survival Gear? Well, you need to get you one. Because it's a really sharp piece of gear that you can wear around your neck every day. That's what I do. And it gives you the capabilities to start a fire in any weather condition, in any temperature, in any scenario. And fire is very important to your survival as a human being if you find yourself in a, uh, in a tight spot, right? We can cook over it. We can get warm from it. We can purify water over it. There's a lot of things that we can do with fire. And Wazoo Survival Gear makes products that allow us to have that capability anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Guys, tools. Tools increase your capability. More capability gives you more options. More options gives you the freedom to choose where you go, where you explore, the things you do. That's where Wazoo Survival Gear comes in. It's the perfect melding of form and function that allows you to build a wide variety of tools into your everyday wear. This stuff is awesome, guys. I've been using Wazoo Survival Gear products for well over a year now. Every time we go out on the basic course, um, every time I'm stepping off on a mission and a lot of their products are just with me day in and day out, like my bushcraft necklace, like my cash cap, uh, just going through regular everyday life. They're an awesome company, 100% made in America. Awesome dudes, Dustin and Nick, you've probably heard them. They've done an episode on the 307 podcast. Go, go give them some support, man, at wazoosurvivalgear.com. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. As a matter of fact, I've attached a, a link to their website in the show notes of this episode, a special link for you guys. When you go and place your order with Wazoo, they've given us a pro code that's going to give you 20% off your order. The pro code is the number three of the number seven, all caps. That's the best deal you're going to find on Wazoo Survival Gear products anywhere. 
they asked me how I wanted to split this up. I could get 10% back on the purchases that you guys made using this pro code and y'all could get 10% off. I said, no, give the customer 20% off. Give the podcast listener 20% off because you guys have rewarded me by showing up and listening to this show. So I want you to have the full discount. This company doesn't put their stuff on sale because this stuff is all handmade. And yeah, it's not stuff that goes on sale or or expires. So it's a great deal. Go check them out, wazoosurvivalgear.com. Follow them on Instagram at wazoosurvivalgear. Thanks a lot, guys. Enough said. Word limit. Back on goofy, Blake. We're back with you. This is an endurance event in and of itself. (laughs) Trying to recap uh, 38 hours of running into a well, even prior to that, everything, the whole the whole journey into a few hours of podcasting. I got a little deficient on my calories and <laughs> had to go in my... Don't get behind. My crew was in there watching Barney or something this is and a, having some crackers set out for me. Endurance episode right here. You know, I remember Chili saying uh, before the race, he said, dang, I'll be glad when we get this behind us. Well, yeah, I... I remember one. T- I remember when I said that, and I was like, "You know what? He probably took that as like I'm not excited for this, or don't want it to, don't want to do it, or whatever." But it wasn't that at all. I'm, I was, I, I think it was because I was so excited that I started feeling that way. It was like the lead up to this was just good night every day. You hear about it, and people are so excited they're about to piss their pants. They want to be there. It was like I'm ready to do it. Yeah, you know, I'm ready to. I'm ready to quit talking about it. I'm ready to just do it. So I'm I'm it's happened now. Dude, it seemed like it took forever for the day to come. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it just seemed like it took so long, man. Yeah. Um Yeah, all right. So we're at the end. We're at the end of the race. Um what what I mean, obviously I'm pulling out in front of this dude, and I knew on on his last lap, I came up, I came up to the field on the second climb at the top of the hill, right on time, fifteen. All right, I, I looked out of my peripheral, I didn't see any headlamp. Mm-hmm. I knew he won't gonna get it. If you don't hit that field by 15 and a half, 16, that late in the game, we, we, I mean, you if you hit it at if you hit it at 16 and you had fresh legs and you could bomb that downhill and come around in the grass to the finish line, you could make it. Mm-hmm. But this late in the game, I knew he wasn't going to hit this field. I couldn't see him anywhere. He wasn't going to hit the field till probably 17. Mm-hmm. I knew he wasn't going to make it. Yeah. So I knew it was his last lap. I come in, nothing changes, sit down, get my food, do my thing, because I might have been wrong. I might be wrong. Maybe I just didn't see his headlamp back yeah. there. Nothing changes. Get up at the 10-second warning. He's nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. Whistle blows. I roll out. What What you guys got to see him come in? What, what, what was that all about? Well... I'll just say, from my perspective, which was, I guess, completely unique, um, 
because I was out there at the, at that, you know, it's a figure eight course and I was out there at that middle point, um, you know, and you came through like any other lap and I was, you know, just thinking it was like any other lap. And then I looked up the hill, didn't see him either, you know, and I knew that was rare, didn't see the headlamp. And then, you know, it, it was a little while and I was like, man, I got to go back to make sure I'm there when Chad comes through the the finish. And then finally, about that time, I saw his headlamp and I was like, all right, I'll wait, you know, just because I want to see it. And and then when he came through, it, it was funny, you know, early in the race, he said, you know, this isn't even an aerobic challenge. It's just, it's just, it's just not. My heart rate doesn't even get high. It's about it's just about patience, you know, I guess. And, um, just, I mean, I guess your legs start to get fatigued and everything. And, you know, he, he's right. It's not an aerobic, it's not super difficult, you know, at that pace, but he was coming down that hill and boy, it sounded like he was at the end of a 13 minute 5k or something. I mean, just like a freight train coming down, just, I mean, big time. And I was just like, well, you know, the way he's breathing and the time that he's coming through here, I think this is it. But man, I, I props to Luke, man. He was, I started heading back and you, you kind of mirror him on the course when I was heading back and he starts making all kinds of noises i mean it was he was putting out yeah oh yeah and uh man i mean i just my respect grew for him in that moment you know Mine too. he was he was absolutely still putting out and i think at that point he knew that was his final lap but he wasn't laying down mm -hmm. he didn't just let I man i don't i think he made a lot of mistakes right like everybody did other than <laughs> other than you uh about talking about some of the things that were bothering him and, and, and being erratic and whatever, you know, but he, he didn't just, uh, he didn't just slow down and let that 20 minutes creep up on him. He fought for it. And, um, you know, when I made it back, we sent you, you, you sent off and, uh, and we saw him come in and, you know, that was a cool moment for us that you weren't even a part of, uh, when Luke came in. Um, you know, and his day was done and you were on your victory lap and he, um, it was interesting cause I had formed all my thoughts and opinions of Luke throughout the day. Cause I had met him for the first time, um, that more or Saturday morning. And, uh, you know, I probably thought differently about him than you did or Blake did or anybody. Um, but you know, and once again, I had pre pre information on him, prior information that he was a great runner. I knew some of the things that he had done, um, but yeah, it was. I don't know. It, it was it was it was cool to see him uh, talk when he got done with that loop because he kind of it didn't it didn't it didn't go how I expected it to go. It was interesting. You know, I don't know what he th had thought of you throughout the day but you could tell he had an immense amount of respect for you that quite honestly may have even shocked him <laughs> that he had mm -hmm. but he um 
break that down for me, man. Because I mean, specifically, because I wasn't there to to see or hear any. Yeah, I mean, I can. I'm struggling to even talk. Like when he got through, you know, you had talked to Luke and made comments to him all day from the beginning of the race, really. Um, and that was from my perspective that you knew who Luke was. I mean, you knew he wasn't just some, you know, some random person out there just going to do a few hours. Yeah. Um, and he knew who you were, uh, to an extent, you know, and you had your own preconceived notions about each other and everything else, but neither one of you really had respect for the other person yet. That's right. I mean, you just, you just, you can't really have respect for somebody that you've never met. Especially when your personalities conflict. Right. On the type of respect I'm talking about, you have to meet somebody and spend some time with them. Yeah. And throughout the day, I don't know that you, you, you still, you even had developed it for each other yet. You know, I'm, you probably got annoyed by his, his ongoing podcast that he was having the talk. And I think some of the comments you made to him, he didn't know how to take. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he came in at the end of that loop, after pushing, I mean, I saw it pushing hard. All that kind of went away. Mm-hmm. It did. And um, he had full respect for you. And, um, and, and his words reflected that. And he... And he said that and talked about it. And then, you know, he kind of was talking to everybody and saying what he was thinking in that moment. And then it was getting about time for you to come in. And he just, he looked at everybody and said, all right, let's, you know, let's back up and give him the floor here. And and we did. And then you came in. Mm-hmm. What about for you, Blake? Man, I mean, to be honest, I don't, I don't remember. I don't know if it's because I was, just worn out or what, but, but I didn't really, maybe it, it was wrong. I just didn't pay a whole lot of attention to any of the other people. Like, I mean, when they came through, I just, the only person I would really cared about out there was, was you. And when you were running and, you know, I, I, I did go over there and listen and I'm, you know, I'm glad that, cause I know Becca and John had said he had talked to them about maybe just going ahead and pulling out and, and they convinced him to keep going. So, when he came through and and he actually just couldn't make the cutoff, I was glad that he decided to push to that point. And you know, it's interesting hearing your story about how he was feeling coming through there, and to know that it was actually genuine and he didn't just make it look like, oh yeah, I'm not going to finish the lap and just quit. I'm just going to kind of drag this out and make it. Oh look yeah, like. I so mean, to know that he he struggled there, uh, you know, and actually pushed to that point is is good to hear and does give me a you know, even more respect for him. And, and what he did out there was, I mean, that's, that's amazing effort that he, that he put in, but you know, everybody was over there listening and stuff and they was all coming up and saying, Oh, good job. You know, y'all did it. And I was like, no man. I mean, it, there is one guy still on the course, but he's still racing the clock. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I, you, you can't celebrate. I know there was nothing going to stop you from coming in. And, you know, unless you just broke you, fell down and broke your leg or something, but it's like there's still something. He had a lap to complete. Yeah, there's still something here 
don't congratulate me or anybody on anything because nothing's been done yet. You know, and so that's, I mean, that's where, that's really where my head was. Once you came through, then I was like, okay, now we can kind of settle down. We can talk about it, congratulate, hug, take pictures, whatever. But I just, I mean, I can't really, the thoughts may come to me later about things I saw and heard out there, but I I just didn't really pay much attention to anybody else, any of the other runners other than you there. I mean, when I just kind of had my thing that I wanted to do, and that's just all I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, maybe if I was in a different role out there, I would have really paid more attention to how people were acting and remembered more about their finishing and stuff like that. But uh, that's that's really all I remember of it. And we got to... Just to clear something up for anybody who doesn't understand the format of this last man standing race or the rules, if Chad didn't make the twenty minute cutoff on that victory loop, he didn't win. Yeah, there no would have been winner. no winner. <laughs> I mean, there would have been no winner. So that was uh that was crucial. Um you know, to to come in and treat that like every other loop. So yeah, you couldn't let your guard down when we call it a victory loop. I mean, I think that's the right word for it. Yeah. But it's it's more like the winning loop. Yeah. <laughs> Just as important as any other loop. Yeah. Yeah, there was, at that point for me, there was, if you didn't finish or you did finish, there was nothing else I could do. But my anticipation for you coming through was was paramount to anything else, <laughs> any other celebration. Yeah. Listening to Luke's speech, I mean, not disrespectful to him. I just, I didn't care what he had to say. Like, yeah. I was here to do everything I could so that you won the race and everything we had worked and done for the last 37 hours hinged on that loop. And that's all I cared about, you know, and once you came through, then, you know, if he wanted to give a speech, then I would have listened to it, but I didn't really listen to him. I I stood over there, you know, just to be respectful. I wasn't going to stand away, but to be honest, I just didn't really listen to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting too for me to hear Noah's story about how he came through on that last loop given yeah. given his all uh because on the first loop that Luke and I did together when it just when it the first loop where it was just me and him mm-hmm. left he said well it's just me and you he said what do you want to do about this and I said well Luke to be honest with you we can sit out here and do this as long as you want to do it, brother. I said, because I can't lose this race. So we'll sit out here and do it as long as you want to do it. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, and I heard him say multiple times at toward the end, you know, I'm, I know Chad's willing to go as far as he has to go to win this. And I don't know if I'm willing to do that. And that's essentially how, what were you going to say, Noah? That's essentially how he answered me. No, uh, I'm glad we're calling back to that because when you asked Becca and John earlier what the pivotal moment of the race was or the defining moment, that's what it was. The first lap that it was just you and Luke, I was, I think I was holding one of Dwayne's cameras. That's why I heard this. And I, I wish I wasn't. I wish I hadn't heard this because... I don't like a lot of this filming stuff out there, to be honest with you, because I think it needs to be shared between the people who are actually in the arena. But that's either way. So you heard that conversation. Yeah. So, so how do you recall it? So either, yeah, either way that it is what it is. I was, I was behind them and, uh, 
To be honest with you, that was one of the weirdest conversations. <laughs> that was one of the strangest exchanges that I've ever heard on a race course. I mean, in my opinion, Luke looked over at him running about side by side and said, yeah, I mean, Chad's already went through some of it. He said, well, it's just you and me, Chad. What do you want to do about this? And I thought, man, alive, what in the world is he talking about? What do you want to do about it? Well, keep going as long as you can go. (laughs) What do you mean? What do you want to do about it? It's almost like he wanted to make an agreement with you, you know? And, and then you just, I mean, you've already said it. Well, I mean, how did you hear it though? Yeah. Well, from what I remember, you looked over at him and said, you know, I'm not trying to be a jerk about this, but what he said, (laughs) what a jerk. Oh, I don't memories fade. He probably said butthole or something. (laughs) I don't know what he said. Um, but I have to win this race and Luke, I remember he looked over at you. He was kind of looking forward and then he just looked over at your face and then he looked back forward and he didn't say anything. And it's funny because I've heard people say things like that before that they have to do something or, but I've never, I've never taken that serious. Like when people say you have to win this race, (laughs) no, you don't. I mean, just because you want to real bad don't mean you have to. Yeah. I've I've wanted to win stuff I mean so bad before. Don't mean don't mean you're gonna. Don't mean you have to. But he that the what that look told me when he gave you was like Yeah. I know you do. I mean it, it, he fully agreed with you. It, it was full agreement. It was full I understand what was gonna happen. And, you know, a part of me doesn't like that he accepted that in that moment that you were going to win. But a part of me, since he did accept that, a part of me has a lot of respect that he didn't just fold up right there. Yeah. I'll say that. I mean, how I would have handled Chad saying that to me was, (laughs) all right, (laughs) you're going to have a long night then. And instead of doing that, Luke accepted that Chad was going to win, but to his credit, he battled out for good grief. That's much longer. 10 more hours. Yeah. I mean, Hey, hats off to you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the way he, he did respond and he said, well, uh, well, I know you're going to do whatever it takes to win this, Yeah, but I don't want to be the guy that just gives up. Yeah. That's how he responded to it. Yeah. I don't even remember that. Well, yeah. his action said that, so That's exact and that's exactly what he did. Yeah. yeah. He he accepted it and then he and then he said, "Well, I don't want to be the guy that just gives up." Yeah. And he didn't. Um and everybody always asks me, "Well, on that victory loop, what what's going through your head?" And it, that's the hardest loop I ran the whole day because you you do then have the capacity to kind of shift you you know you know you're going to make this loop and you have the capacity to kind of shift your mindset into then saying okay how can i what do, what do i what needs to be said at the end of this 
Um, we've got this large group of people that have dedicated all this time to stay out here and be a part of this and, and watch and cheer and, uh, you know, how do I do, how do I do this moment justice? So just reflecting on that and, and kind of putting some thoughts together that you want to share with the group. And then at the same time, you start to feel all the, the things that are not good with your body. Yeah. You start to feel that for the first time. Somebody asked me, said, well, you know, at the, at the end of the race, when I came across the finish line, first thing I did was hug Luke and thank him for the gift that he gave me and for not just giving up. That was a gift to me. He did that for me. He, we just oh, yeah. Yeah, made the assumption that he knew he wasn't going to win. And uh, right after that, I made the statement that my feet are just macerated. They're just tore all to pieces. My quads had been uh, just, I mean, I don't know what you call it, locking up or just they hurt so bad. I had something going on with my right hip. Um, just, I mean, just all, all kinds of crap. And somebody said, well, and I said, yeah, I had all that going on. You never heard me say a word about any of that, right? And somebody said, well, did you not feel that, all that? Like, <laughs> it was obviously there. Why did, you, why did you all of a sudden feel it on the last loop? And it's, all of it was there. It's just, I, I have some ability to just completely block that out mentally to where it's, it's not, it's there, but it's not registering with me. Yeah. Well, Unless it's something that I pick up on that function check that I know that I can compensate for. All right. If it's just, if you, you better expect your quads to freaking be lit up when you've climbed 37,000 feet mm -hmm. and descended. 37,000 feet. Like, that's it's to be expected. Well, you know, you've talked about that lesson. The lesson in that is don't give your pain a voice, right? Yeah. Well, what, what that question um, brings you deeper into is what's the precursor to giving your pain a voice? You can't give, you can't give a voice to your pain. You, you can't do that unless you've given it attention. And you've given it energy. Yep. That's completely different than a function check. You're doing that function check, going through everything that you can fix and you can get ahead of. But once something has happened, like he talked about his feet and, and quads and everything, quit giving that crap attention in your mind. It's taking up residence in your mind. And it's got to do that before you even give it a voice. Yep. So stop it. Stop. Don't just not give it a voice. Don't give it any attention like that. Don't focus on what's going wrong that you can't change. Exactly. And that's that's how I block it out mentally. Yeah. But on that last loop, you start to feel all that because you can kind of somewhat let your guard down. Yeah. And it's interesting. I talked to uh, Scott Worthington yesterday. And he said, you know, it was wild, man. You looked so strong. And then you came in off of that victory loop and he said you looked a little shaky on your feet and he said it that just is a testament to how powerful the mind that's is. right i mean it's yeah. just unbelievable to when you you let that you kind of let that go and then all of a sudden you're a little shaky on your feet 
Whereas the loop prior to that, I was fully invested in going. However, I, I felt like I could easily make it to 48 hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't, but I can't even put a number on it because I felt like I could run indefinitely. Yeah. Yep. Until that very moment when you're like, it's over relief. And then you can, you know, you start to look a little shaky. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, Blake, you had a similar experience to that, didn't you? Walk <laughs> us through that. What, at the end? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, on a much smaller level, but it's one lesson that I've learned that I've recognized already just from, listen, don't think I'm blowing up what I did. The only thing I did was stay up for a really long time and put some food out, but really long time for me, longest time I've ever stayed up, but you know, it, I think it's it comes down to the commitment, how committed you are to what you're doing and and staying locked in because that whole time, I mean, I, I don't know, I was probably up. The, if the race went on for 38 hours, you had three intermissions. That's 30. I mean, I was probably up 42, 43, whatever, over 40 hours. But the whole time, I, I mean, I could have laid down and went to sleep, but like the desire... Like, oh gosh, man, I'm dozing off over. I'm I never got that way, and it I think it was because I was committed to doing what I had to do. And it, I think it's the same thing for you. Like, you didn't feel those things, you knew they were there, but but you kind of mentally blocked them out because you were committed to winning that race. And it didn't matter that any of that stuff was going on. You it, it was it's similar to like when you have adrenaline, you know, like when you get an adrenaline burst and you don't really feel any of that. To me, it's kind of similar to that without the heightened, all the senses being heightened and stuff. It's just like you got one thing you're focused on, and, and I, I mean, I don't know how to tell people to get there. But anyways, so whatever, I stay up and do all that. Chad comes in on his uh, last loop, and for me, that was like job done. Like when he crossed, when he crossed the finish line, the key to the ignition went like that. <laughs> and 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 everything got turned down. I you know I got stuff loaded up and and we we hadn't really talked about what we were gonna do when the race was over, uh, where we were gonna go or stay or whatever. So we briefly discussed it, and Chad said something about a hotel, and then he goes and apparently gives an interview that lasted about an hour. I thought it was about two or three minutes, but he goes over and gives an interview, and I sit down and I start thinking. I thought last thing I want to do is. Drag, keep on dragging this out and go to a hotel and then tomorrow get up and then go get breakfast and it prolongs everything. I mean, I wanted to get home and see the kids now that everything was done. So mom's like, well, I feel fine. I can drive home. I said, okay, well, that's fine. So <laughs> we get in the car and we hadn't really told Chad about the decision. And uh, I go down and do some stuff in the Suburban and I lay down in the seat. And I, I guess, I, I well, I did fall asleep. Cause I thought Chad's interview was about two minutes long. I was like, they come open up the door and I was like, dang man, it's faster than I thought it was going to be. And I get in the back seat and Chad's talking about something. We hadn't told him where we're going. And, and he's like, he uses these big words. I don't know what they were. He was like, I'm perturbed and blown away that you guys are about to try to drive home. I'm shutting this down. And, uh, and he, uh, he says something else, and I mean, I'm just worn out, and it kind of ticks me off. And I said, "Well, 
I trusted that mom was an adult and she could make the decision and tell me whether she's tired or not to drive home. So that's what we're freaking going to do. <laughs> and uh, whatever. We just kind of went to the hotel room and, and did our thing. Everything, and you know, was fine um, after that. But the lesson I learned is that, like, you know, that once you once you shut that off, once you shut off your commitment and your responsibility to things, when you're that deep into it, there's no coming back. Like, I couldn't have turned it back on and said, oh, I'm focusing back in. And it's no. kind of like what we were talking about, Crew and Chad, where when he left out, we would kind of start talking and, yeah. and cutting up. And when you get so deep into something, the the very second that you decide, all right, job done, let's call it off. The first thing I learned is that once you call it off, you can't call it back on. That's right. And and that's why all these patients present deliberate function check. Now I realize all that stuff are only tools to keep you locked on longer. The the key to everything. It's like all patients present deliverance all right here, and it keeps you from this line. This is the key on or off, and it keeps you from turning that key to off because eventually you'll get there, and it's a it's a hard switch. It's just a split second but once it's done it's done it's it you cannot change it you can't go back and forth with it and the other thing i learned is i shut down too early you got to stay locked on till you're in the bed oh you know? yeah i mean that it's just that's a lesson learned like you know my job there was was to take care of chad and and do all of that stuff but Part of that meant also getting him to the room and getting him what he needed through the end. I, and, I mean, I'm, I messed up on that part, but it's just a lesson learned, you know. <laughs> Chad told me in the in the truck, he said, man, you freaking nailed it on the crewing, but you're doing an absolute <laughs> terrible job right now. <laughs> I think I think that's when he ticked me off and I popped back off something at him. And we just, mom, mom was over there trying to be the referee and... <laughs> Um, but you know, I mean, that's, that, that is one of the biggest lessons that I, you know, just on my half that I just kind of learned about me and that I recognize now that I, that I take out of it. So, you know, beyond the win and all that stuff, I mean, that's, that's most important, but you know, I always try to be conscious of what, when I'm doing stuff, what can I learn about myself and how can I get better? And, uh, that's definitely one thing. I mean, that's, I just don't stay up late. I don't stay up long for many things, so I I, I never stayed up that long. And uh, yeah, PN told me he, I done messed up. Now he knows how long I stay up on the <laughs> for the basic courses. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean that that was a uh, that was what I experienced there at the end, you know. And, and I mean, it, to me, it was just so interesting at how hard that shift is. And I mean, you would think like. Oh crap! I shouldn't have turned that off. Let me get back focused again. But it it doesn't. It your body is not going to do it. It's not. Once I once I sit down in that RV, son. It, Chad said I look like a fish out of water that you lay on the dock, and every now and then you'll see it kind of flop, <laughs> like it's got a little bit of life left in it. But it, you know, He's it's twitching. Just, it's gone. But I mean, it's like the nerve endings moving or something. <laughs> That was Blake. When you cut the head off the snake and it's still over there every now and then <laughs> trying to strike. Gosh. But, 
Yeah, that, I mean, that was pretty comical there in the end. I went had to go apologize to Chad the next morning for for sassing him. But It's funny now. Yeah, it's funny yeah, now. Yeah. It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't funny then. No, uh-uh. Well, that, and that's a very valuable lesson. And, and I knew what was going on there. I knew that you had flipped that switch off, and I've done it hundreds of times. So I knew what you were going through and that you had turned it off too early. <laughs> yeah. And um, and it's it's a super valuable lesson. But you see the consequences of that. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, for me, when you do flip that switch off, you, you stop going through those processes of operational risk management. Yeah. And, you know, that decision that you guys had made to allow mom to drive back home that night this the, terrible decision. Yeah, the reason that I that I didn't allow that to happen was simply ORM. It, it wasn't yeah. because I couldn't lay down. I could have laid down in the back of the suburban and said, "Well, y'all just do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. I, I've raced and I'm done." But I hadn't flipped my switch off yet because I knew I couldn't do that until I crawled under the sheets in the mm-hmm. hotel room filled with bugs. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that's the reason I said, "No, you are not." driving this rig four hours back home at freaking two o'clock in the morning we're not we wouldn't get home till sunrise and you've been intermittently sleeping for the last three days yeah like no we're put with that puts uh, our lives at risk mm-hmm. and that's the reason we shifted that plan and uh blake got us into a hotel he got us two rooms for 80 bucks <laughs> Listen, we went to this one. This one was, I don't know what it was called. I walked in there, really nice hotel, and nobody was at the desk. And I was so freaking ticked. I was walking around there looking for somebody. I was hollering back there. Nobody was coming. If someone would have, it's probably good they didn't come up there. I was so mad. I probably busted their coronavirus glass off or something. But uh, so yeah, we go over the chat's like, well, there's one right here. We get it booked, and he says, I said, Hotel I need, Six? I, no, I, I don't know what it was. I don't even remember. I said, we need two rooms, and he tells me, it'd be 80 bucks. And I said, no, we need two rooms. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 80, 80 bucks after taxes. And I was like, well, all right. <laughs> we get up there, Chad's room smells like cigarettes, got burns in the in the seats and bugs all, it's all in his sheets. It's literally filled with these black beetles. <laughs> They were all over the walls. They were all in the sheets. Look, it's like John Coffey opened up the door and breathed and breathed his old uh, fly fly breath into the room and then closed the door up. It was rough. So. Ours wasn't quite as bad. I walked in there and seen Chad's and I said, all right, man, you good? <laughs> yeah, he said, well, you staying with mama? I, I, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, maybe hers a little better than this. <laughs> I thought serves you well, you old cocksack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm glad obviously that he had the experience to you know keep uh keep going cuz I mean, that was just the first time I had done it and lesson well learned. You don't uh, you don't shut off yourself until you until you under the covers. Yep. Yep, 100%. Yeah, so that wrapped it up, man. We yeah. got got up the next morning, went and ate a little biscuit love. Yeah. Um, and everybody asked about recovery. I'm on the same recovery program that Chili's on. You just chill, eat some decent food, and let your body do its own thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, 
y'all out there with your Norma Tech boots on, <laughs> your daggone powders and dust and creams and CBD and all, that's all a freaking scam, dude. It's all a scam. Yeah. These people have made billions of dollars off of scamming you to think that there's something that you can do to help your body recover faster and better. No. Just leave it alone. Yep. Kick your feet up, eat some decent food, and relax. Yep. And one part of that, too, <clears throat> a good reason to not, is you become reliant on that stuff, and your body don't know how to do it on its own. That ain't no good. I mean, your body is designed... God literally designed our bodies to when we accrue damage, it can fix itself. Yeah. I mean, don't try to speed that process up with stuff that you're going to have to feel like you rely on yeah. to ever recover. I mean, you can do what you want to do. I just don't, you know, all that stuff is, uh, it kind of gets your body in a place where it doesn't know how to do it by itself anymore. And it's it has that amazing ability anyway, so... Yeah, that's the recovery program I'm on. And I feel good today. I mean, I can go, I'm probably going to go do a little mountain bike today. You seem good. Yeah. Well, Chili didn't say all that, but I couldn't get him off that darn sparkling <laughs> unicorn tier THC water he was drinking out, out Were there. Were you hitting on that, son? Son, he was hitting them unicorn tears hard. <laughs> Were you really? Yeah. Man, I. they had, that was a sponsor out there, that Mad Tasty. And I people tried to get me to drink that from minute one, and I no, 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 no. About thirty hours in, oh yeah, was it good? He was he was he was double fisting them <laughs> unicorn tears, son. He was making hard pulls on them. Was it good? It was all right. I mean, I I'd honestly I just like regular water. It's like sparkling water, isn't it? With CBD in it or something. THC. I mean, <laughs> I can't believe you did that. I didn't know you did drugs. <laughs> he likes unicorn tears. Oh, come on, man. Caffeine's a drug. All right, Chili. <laughs> that explains a lot about you. He got some red eye love from it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if y'all are lucky, I'll put Chili's duck face as the thumbnail on YouTube for this episode. <laughs> Chili made a good Please duck don't. face out there. <laughs> Please don't. Of course. So. No, I think it should be uh, some of those at the end when Chad came through. If y'all want to see, if you haven't, if you didn't catch that, what uh, Chad had to say at the end, I think y'all put it on YouTube. Yeah. And um, I just want to say, you know, after all that Chad had done, he finished that loop and embraced Luke and then pointed every bit of glory back to God and um, I'm just uh, I'm really proud to know a guy who who has the humility and um, faith to do that and um, it was uh, it was pretty cool to watch you know the finish line when you win a race all eyes are on you it's kind of a unique moment I mean honestly Chad <laughs> people people are gravitating towards him anyway but when you win a race, that's just the way it is. And um, you can make that moment about you real easy. Mm -hmm. And um, he didn't do that. Yep. You know. So, just want to say I was proud of that. And, uh, 
Y'all can catch that on YouTube. You got anything else, Blake? No, I believe I've hit my word limit. I said all I can. Joker hit his word limit, son. Um, well, that's a that's a pretty good recap of the mid state mile. Uh you know, I'm sure as 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 our um as we process through it all in our own heads, like Blake said, we'll be a little more articulate of the specific lessons that you guys can uh, take from this. This was kind of just more of an opportunity to tell the story and not dig so much into uh, the the principle type things that got us through it. Again, if you're if you're interested in ultra running, if you're interested in in in, in increasing your ability. Uh, come join us at the Proving Grounds, man. Yep. Go, go, go on the website. Sign up. Uh, submit your application for the basic course. Uh, join us on Patreon. Um, connect with us on a deeper level. We love the podcast, but this is this is just the surface of what we do. Yeah, this is the very entry. Listening to this podcast is the very entry level of what we can give to you. Yeah. All right. Everything else requires more resources. So, uh, you know, everybody, you guys, like we had Aaron on earlier, we've had John out to the Proving Grounds. John, Big John's actually coming on the basic course. Um, you guys are, uh, along with, with uh, God, you guys are the ones that keep 307 Project alive mm-hmm. and allow it to function and operate the way it does. So uh, when you guys sign up and come out and, and get, what you can, get what we have to give to you, um, you're not only hopefully walking away with, uh, with some really good skills, tactics, techniques, and procedures to utilize in your own life, but you're also supporting, uh, 307 project and everything that it is and all the people that belong to it. Um, so yeah, we hope to see you guys out there at one of the events. Uh, and, um, we'll go ahead and further deconstruct this thing and, take more lessons from it as we process it in our own minds. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was an endurance episode, but, uh, we'll be back to regularly scheduled programs, uh, after this. And it was good. Good deal. (laughs) Two over the word count. (laughs) I thought it was good. Got anything else, Blake? That's good. (laughs) All right. Love you guys. Enough said.